Lord, just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, Molly reported to me, actually, when I was on the way home from Wyoming, Molly, we, we talked, like, she couldn't wait to talk to me because she was, she just loves all you guys. Like, she, she spoke, she, she had nothing but praise to say for all, for all of you. So, I don't really think it was because I said be nice to her, because I just, I just think that's who we are as a church. She said she just loved this church, and actually, she's begging me now to come back. That's how much she, she loved being here. So, I just wanted to compliment you on all of that, that, um, I think she saw what the church was supposed to be. Like she saw this church that we're about displayed with all of you. So that's just kind of a pat on the back for all of you of, of just, um, I think she saw Jesus. She saw what, what this is supposed to look like. So today we're going to continue looking at Acts and just to kind of where we've been, because I know it's been a couple weeks. In the first week we looked at the apostles were told to wait they were told to be patient. And so they were. They were waited. They waited and they were patient. And then the next week we, we looked at why they were supposed to be patient, what they were supposed to be waiting for. And they asked this question, or the people that, that saw what happened, they asked, what does this mean? And what it meant was, is that this promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about, that the Old Testament, the prophets talked about, that it came upon everybody in the room. It wasn't just select people, it was everybody that the Holy Spirit came upon, everybody that put their faith in Jesus, and that this wait was over, and now we have this helper that is with us always, that has been promised to us, that is, is part of the Trinity, which we looked a little bit at the Trinity, who the Trinity is, is this triune God, but it's one God, but it it's, has three parts. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look at some firsts in, in history, some firsts in the early church. We're going to look at the first, the first sermon ever delivered, the first gospel message that's ever been preached by someone else other than Jesus. We're also going to look at the first time that people have responded to this message being preached. Now, what this, what this is, is it's, it's kind of the same thing a lot of us have already been in. That we've been in this situation where someone has just said something, like maybe I've been up here saying something, and, or you've heard something, you're listening to something online, and you like know that you need to respond. Like you know like there's something moving inside of me, like I know I need to respond, but I just don't know what to do. And you ask the question, this is the same question you'll see that this group of people ask, ask this question, what shall we do? What shall we do? In Acts today, as I said, Peter stands up, and he's going to give the, the first gospel message. He's going to give the first sermon. And everyone is standing there kind of looking on their face like, uh, like, I need to do something, but I'm kind of dumbfounded. Like, I don't know what I should do, so I'm just going to ask the question, what should I do? Now, this past week... This was a, the past week was actually a trip was planned. There was a, I went to a wedding in Oregon. It was a, a wedding that, you know, has been on the books for like a year. So we knew that this trip was coming up. So we went to the Oregon coast. And it was a beautiful wedding. It was in Brookings, Oregon, which is like, you can see California in the distance. So it's, it's a long ways away. And the wedding was just amazing. It was right on the ocean. The, the family, the, the wife's family has a, 
property right on the beach. So it was overlooking the ocean. Just beautiful, beautiful setting. And we went earlier because if you don't know, many of you do know, my oldest son lives out there. He's going to med school out there. So we thought, well, this would be a great time to go visit him too. Spend a few extra days with him. And, well, we golfed a lot. Way more than I expected. Probably more than my wife actually would want me to. We ended up in the place called Bandon, Oregon. And if you're not a golfer, you probably don't know what that is. But Bandon, Bandon Oregon, there's a place called Bandon Dunes. Bandon Dunes is like Disney World. You know, Disney World has a bunch of different parks. This has a bunch of different golf courses. So it's like Disney World for a golfer. Well, we, it's, it's kind of expensive, so we go, okay, let's just play the par three. So my son set that up, and we get done pretty early, and he goes, Dad, Dad, should I make a call and see if they have a spot for us on the golf course? It's early in the day. We're here. I don't know when I'm going to get back. And I'm kind of standing there asking that question because he put me on the spot like, well, I don't know. What should we do? Well, of course I knew the answer. Of course the answer was yes. It's going to cost me. Like, I know that. Like, it, it costs me. But the answer is yes. So I stood there for a few min minutes, but I did wondering, what should we do? You know, because I, I did bring work to do. Like, I had some work to do, and I was planning on doing it that afternoon when we got done. And I didn't want to be up till midnight. Well, I was up till midnight because we went golfing. It was my own fault. And I, like I said, I didn't know if I'd ever get back here again, so I had debating back and forth of what to do. But I, to, to, just so you get an experience, let me show you this picture. Now, this is the picture. This is, this is where we golfed. Like, every hole was like this. Like, so, like, how could you say no to this? The holes were just, it was just absolutely amazing. If you look at this, like we're supposed to hit a tee shot and land it over there where those guys are standing. Like it's crazy. It was crazy. So that was an easy question. That question was, was pretty easy to, to say yes to. Now I think Peter's sermon, I believe the people there knew the answer to that question. They knew the answer and it was easy for them. It was easy for them to say yes. But I think they knew there were some costs involved too. And in life though, isn't it full of decisions? We have to make lots of decisions. Now a lot of you, you may, well all of you, all of us, we got up this morning, right? When you got up, you had to think this morning like, well, what shall I do? What should I do? Now all of you made the decision to come to church today. So I'm happy you made that decision. I'm happy and Glad that you're here, that we can worship together and celebrate Jesus together. But there's a lot of people, they made the decision to stay home, didn't they? They made the decision to stay home, or they made the decision, you know what, I'm going to, it's hot outside, I'm going to go to the Red Lodge, or I'm going to go to the mountains, I'm going to try to avoid the heat, or I'm just going to stay in my house where there's air conditioning. But in life, we make decisions all the time that answer that question, what shall we do? And often decisions like getting up this morning, it probably wasn't a life or death decision that you made. But that question today that asks what shall we do, it, it was a life or death situation. It was a life or death decision. So we're going to be looking at Acts 2, 14 through 41. It's a long verse, so I, we're not going to put it on the screen. But if you want to look, grab the Bible underneath your, your chair there. It's on page 1091. 
And we'll, we'll look at that, and so you can follow along. So let's begin. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the, praise, the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on, an, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you know, now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, this is the, here's the question, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When many others' words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, so that's a long verse, so I hope you got like three hours, because we're going to be here probably that long to cover all that. No, we're not. So I hope you're still with me. It's a long section, but there's just, there is, there's a lot in there. So let's just start to break this down kind of in chunks of what Peter's first message was, his first sermon. I think the first thing was, is we see Peter is addressing what has happened previously. He's saying that this is a spirit-filled life. This is what a spirit-filled life is. And this is that first section, verses 14 through 21. Peter quotes the section of Joel, which I said a couple weeks ago, but there's also, he added more verses to it. And Peter says, you know what? Like, you guys think these people are drunk, 
but it's, it's morning. They're not drunk. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit, just like what Joel promised us, just so it has been prophesied for hundreds of years ago. The Spirit is here. The, these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that you are seeing signs and wonders. That you will be saved when you call upon the Lord. When you call upon the name of the Lord. When you call upon the name of Jesus. So what does this mean? There's that question. What does this mean? It means that we see in these words that the Spirit has been poured out on them. It's poured out on us. For, for those that call on the Lord. For the, when we say the Lord is our Savior, that we are saved. And that we're going to see visions, we're going to see dreams, we're going to see prophecy, we're going to see signs, and we're going to see wonders. Now, if you have or have not declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, either way, like you've seen this, you've seen this, I bet, in your life. You've seen this happen. When you're faced with that question of what shall we do, and you've responded. So if you have responded and you said Jesus is your Lord and Savior, something happened inside of you, I bet. There was something inside of you that you felt. There was a change. These signs and these wonders. I bet that you felt a weight lifted off of you. I bet you felt freedom that maybe you've never felt before. That you have this new self. This new self that as... In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, this is what it says, this new self. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have felt that change. Now, for those of you that maybe haven't said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and you haven't received the Holy Spirit, I bet you've seen someone that has. I bet you've experienced, and you've watched that change in that person's life. You've seen signs and wonders of this changed life, of this new self, as they follow Jesus, as they call Jesus their Lord and Savior, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe wondering, what's going on with this person? And maybe you begin to even ask yourself, thinking, well, what should I do? you watch this person live this spirit-filled life. Now Peter goes on. He tells the audience who Jesus is. He gives them the gospel message. And so he, he, he says Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus the Messiah. Now Peter is going to give them some, a history lesson here to those gathering. A lot of them probably already know this information, and he's, he's pretty honest with them. He's brutally honest with them. And I think those are experiences we have. Like, Think of when you're young, your mom discovers something that you think you maybe have gotten away with, that you think that you've kind of hidden from your parents or hidden from your mom. And you know when you come home and your mom is just kind of sitting there waiting for you? She's sitting at the kitchen table. You guys must have done that, huh? She's sitting there. She's got kind of a, she's really calm, a little bit of a smile. She says, sit down. She starts to ask you questions about the car. And you start sweating. Because you're like, I don't know what she knows. Does she found out? Does she, does she know the truth? And you realize pretty fast that she knows how the car got the dent in it. And then your mom just is all of a sudden, she's brutally honest with you. You know you're guilty, and you're not going to get out of this one. Well, that's, I think, what Peter does to the crowd. He says, Peter says, you know that guy Jesus? 
You know that one, Jesus? You know the one that's healed probably a lot of you? He's healed a lot of you guys, didn't he? Yeah. That guy that you saw him do lots of miracles? Mm-hmm. The one that you witnessed do signs and wonders. You saw it with your own eyes. In the crowd, you can just see him. They're going, yeah, yeah, I know that, Jesus. I know that guy. And then Peter hits him. Hits him right between the eyes. He goes, yeah, that Jesus, that you, all of you, along with a bunch of other wicked people, you put him to death. Peter doesn't leave him sitting there for, the, for a long time. He, he, but he makes it very clear. He doesn't let him sit in there, the guilt. But he says, you know what? Despite all that, despise what all of you did, God did his part. He raised Jesus from the dead. He conquered death. To which then Peter, he brings in again, he gives him some more history lesson. He brings in the Old Testament. He talks about King David, which everybody worships King David. They see King David. King David's a hero amongst the, this, the Israelites. And he quotes out of Psalm 16, 8 through 11. And these words are about Jesus. These words are that God's going to always be with him, that they will, he won't be abandoned in death. He will not see decay. Jesus will not see decay. And Peter says, you guys read that psalm? And you thought David was talking about himself, didn't you? But David died. David's dead. Like, see that tomb over there? He's buried in that tomb, and he's still there. But Jesus, however, he's not. Jesus didn't see decay. Jesus is alive. Jesus is this Messiah that David was talking about. The one exalted by God, this anointed one. The Christ that all of you have been waiting for. The one that now sits at the right hand of, the God, of God. Now what you see happening here and now is that answer to that question we talked about a couple weeks ago is, what does this mean? That's the Holy Spirit that's promised you and that's been poured out to you. And then Peter finishes his message, what we see in verse 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So here Peter's saying is that Jesus, he's the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for. Not the Messiah that you thought was going to be this earthly conqueror, but the one that actually is, is a heavenly conqueror that didn't come to conquer earthly rulers. Jesus came to be the final sacrifice to conquer this spiritual battle that we've waged, that's being waged over our eternity, where we're going to spend eternity. It is life or death. This Messiah that conquered death and gives us eternal life in the presence of God. And, and we have, then we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Conquered death. Death couldn't hold Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus is alive. And what you all witness is the Holy Spirit being poured out on those that have put their faith in Jesus, that have received this forgiveness of their sins, received life, and now they're filled with the Spirit. And now the people are all standing there going, uh, what do I do with this? Just as how I started out today when I was asked that question, should we golf then? Kind of in the Disney world of golfers, I need to respond to that question. What shall we do? And Peter gives them the answer. He, he gives them the answer. But before we do that, we need to look at, a, at verse 37 at the beginning of it. Because this is what it says. So the people have heard the message. Peter gave him this message. But something he said in that, he says, 
the people that they were cut to the heart. So what does that mean? What does cut to the heart mean? I think it means a couple things. I think Peter, because he was straight to the point, and everyone hearing that message knew, knew what he was saying, and they felt this weight, that this weight of what Peter said, and it cut right to their emotions. It cut right actually to their soul. And they're left standing there, knowing that they needed to do something. I bet they knew they probably needed to say yes to Jesus, to put their faith in Jesus. But, there's that word again, but. They just didn't know what to do, so that's why they asked, what shall we do? Maybe they actually didn't know what to do. But maybe they knew what to do, but they were afraid. They're afraid to leave their old life behind. They were afraid that what it might cost them. They were afraid of the unknown. They just didn't know. They knew what to do, but maybe they just felt trapped in their current situation, in their current lifestyle, currently what they were, what they were in. But Peter responds to them. He says, repent and be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 38 and 39, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God's calling. Jesus is calling. So maybe the question becomes, what are you going to do? I think we know the answer. Or a lot of us have already answered that call. The answer is to repent and be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And something in this, did you notice Peter didn't make any exclusions? Again, we see there's no exclusions in who can repent and be baptized. Jesus came for every single one of us. It doesn't matter where you came from, who you are, what anything it's for everyone and it says it's for everyone that is far off far off from god everyone that's not heard this message and not believed in jesus everyone is that has not repented and baptized to receive the holy spirit this message is for everybody for the world now i've been throwing this word repent around it's a word we use but have we ever really thought about what repent means so I, I think we should probably look at what that, that word means. So this is a couple, a couple, just a little bit of what repent, the definition of repent. So look at, look at the first one. It says, to repent is to change one's life, one's way of life, as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. And this is another thing of what repent is. Repent is a term that implies a conscious moral separation and a personal decision to forsake sin and enter into fellowship with God. So what are you going to do? Many of us have answered that question already. Some of you have not. So what are you going to do? Now some about this definition of repent, if you didn't pick up on it, requires you to do something. Requires you is that last definition I put up there. It's still up there. It says, it requires us to say no to this sinful life. 
say no to this life that I'm living now, this sinful life, and say yes to Jesus and begin to have this fellowship with God. And the only way to have this fellowship with God is to receive the righteousness that we get from Jesus, this righteousness which is the forgiveness of my sins that comes through Jesus, to be able to have my relationship with God restored by putting my faith in Jesus. John 14, 6. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This Jesus, Jesus who is the Messiah, knowing you need to respond. And have you responded? Many of us have. Now, the text continues and it ends and Peter continues. It says he warned them. He pleaded with them. Peter had a sense of urgency. He understood that this response that they needed to make, it was life or death. This is a life or death decision that these people need to make. Now, do we have this same sense of urgency in our lives? The same sense of urgency that Peter had when Peter saw what was going on and Peter stood up in front of this large crowd. And we don't know that the Bible doesn't say how many people were there. There might have been 5,000 or 10,000 people or even more when, when Peter stood up to speak this message of the gospel. And Peter did stand up. And it says we see the first converts to the gospel, the first people that have heard this message of Jesus and said, I believe. The text tells us 3,000 people became disciples that day. 3,000 people. That's a lot of people. Now, more than likely, none of us are ever going to be in a situation where we're going to stand up and give a message where 3,000 people are going to come to know Jesus in one day. But I'm not going to rule that out. I'm not going to put God in a box because he might. God can do that again, and it might happen again to one of you in this room. However, those of us that have repented, we've been baptized, we're full of the Holy Spirit, do we have this same urgency as Peter? Now, I'm not saying go out here on 27th Street over here by the car wash. I'm not saying go out there and start yelling at everyone that walks by. I don't think that's effective. But what I am saying is like Peter did. Peter saw the opportunity. Peter was presented with this. It's a, a situation, a problem. They, people thought they were all drunk. And Peter was a, had enough courage to stand up and share the gospel. And he did. Are we open to those opportunities? Do we see those opportunities? Are we brave enough to do that? There's some of us right now that, that maybe you haven't put your faith in Jesus. And you're still thinking, what shall I do? Well, I'm going to give you a chance to respond because this is life or death. I'm going to give you a chance to respond in a few minutes. Now, those of you that maybe you've answered that question, but there's some other things that maybe we need to do, like maybe be baptized. We can give you a chance to do that next week. There's, there's a sheet out there at the Connect booth that Teresa will be out there. and Sign up, and please put your name and a contact number. And next week, we'll, we're, we'll baptize you. So if you haven't been baptized, and we'll pray over you. And, and if you've received the Holy Spirit, we'll pray for that too. I would love it 
if next week all I had to do was baptize people. That would be tremendous. So sign up out there. And this question that we have, what shall we do? It's really for all of us. At some point, we all are going to answer, have to answer that question. If when you're cut to the heart, when you're cut right to the heart, you need to respond to what God is calling. Maybe God is calling you for the first time that you've actually listened, you've actually heard it, you've actually felt this cut to the heart. He's calling you home. He's calling you to be part of the family. Maybe God's calling you to be bold like Peter and share with someone the message of Jesus. So what shall we do? It starts with being repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just 